Hey everyone, welcome to the Planned, Prepped, and Productive Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Spackman, registered dietitian and mom of three, and believer in peaceful, easy, but also homemade family meals. On this podcast, I'm helping moms master mealtime and become the boss of their kitchen. As you do this, you'll find more peaceful meals through prep and planning. We will do this by focusing on four pillars for making mealtime manageable, doable, and if you give it a chance, maybe even fun. The four pillars are mindset and self-care, planning and organization, meal planning, and meal prep. This is episode number 68, Why Nutrition is So Confusing. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast today. Um, I'm really excited to talk about this topic. It's a little bit of a rant, um, a little bit of just wanting to clarify this subject that causes so much confusion for so many people. Even though I'm a dietitian, I have also experienced this frustration and confusion, and it's taken a lot of thought work, of research to kind of figure out where I fall on this topic and why this can be so frustrating for so many people. Um, Even when we have knowledge or we have an idea of what we think nutrition is or should be. So in my experience as a dietitian, I've had many people challenge me on what nutrition means or what nutrition is or what healthy eating looks like, despite the fact that um, I do have years of school and training in this subject. Um, And like I said, sometimes I've even questioned whether or not what I learned in school is truly what nutrition looks like or how to make nutrition a part of my life. Um, So what exactly is it that makes knowing the right things to eat and the right way to treat our body so difficult and so confusing? Well, the first thing I want to tell you is I want to burst your bubble just a little bit and let you know that it's not nearly as confusing as we make it But there is a lot of noise that we have to sift through in order to get to the important stuff. Um, But there's there's a lot of reasons why this is so difficult. So we're going to dive into some of these reasons of why nutrition is so confusing or why it can feel so confusing and see if I can provide a little clarity for you that will give you confidence in your decisions. So one of the biggest reasons that meal planning and meal prep can be so difficult for moms is because we simply don't know what foods to serve our family. I have already provided a simple formula for planning simple and balanced meals in the past in a previous episode. I will go ahead and link to that episode in the show notes, but I know that there are a lot of confusing messages out there making you guys think that even with this formula, that that still isn't enough or it can't possibly be that easy or this basic balanced meal planning formula maybe isn't healthy or nutrition according to the definitions that you're hearing um, in various places. So let's go ahead and dig in a little bit to why all of the advice is so confusing and then you will have the knowledge that you need to make the choices that work for your family based on your values. So let's go ahead and get started. We're going to start out with just a little truth bomb. And that is that eating to lose weight is not the same thing as eating healthy or eating for nutrition. Let me say that again for the people in the back. Weight loss eating 
is not healthy. So why is that? Um, Our body's preferred way of getting energy, which is the reason we eat, right, is by breaking down carbohydrates. This is the body's normal response. This is healthy. In order for us to lose weight, we have to be in a calorie deficit, which means we have to be eating less than our body is using. In this case, our bodies are amazing. They're incredible. We have a backup plan, right? Our body stores fat when we have an excess to take care of us in times when food becomes scarce and we cannot get enough food. So we do have alternate pathways that allow us to use fat um, or protein in our muscles. We can break those things down and use those things for energy. But what I want you to understand here is that these are the alternate pathways, right? This is not our body's preferred way of doing things. So the very act of attempting to lose weight is to intentionally force your body to use a pathway that it does not prefer, right? These pathways exist to help us in times of starvation or when food is not available. Okay, so now you kind of understand how weight loss works, right? And I'm sure this isn't entirely new, but maybe this can be just a little bit of a different perspective for you. Um, because so many people, everybody really, when they decide they want to lose weight, they say something like, oh, I'm getting healthy. I'm just, I'm trying to eat healthy. And there's this belief that eating healthy is equal to eating less. And that's just simply not true, right? Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about weight loss. Is there a time for weight loss? Even this is a loaded question. And the answer here is maybe. So there is truth to the fact that studies have shown that that high BMIs or body mass index, which if you're not familiar, essentially is just um, a comparison of how much you weigh versus your height. Um, And it's been used for years and years and years, despite a lot of criticisms to determine whether or not your current body weight is normal body weight, overweight, or in the obese category, right? And studies have shown that individuals with high BMIs um, are or can be at an increased risk for certain chronic diseases like heart disease, diabetes, hypertension, etc. And this information has really been used to kind of fuel the obesity shaming that exists um, in the world and this kind of culture. But even though we've seen this correlation between high BMIs and a risk for certain chronic diseases, what hasn't really been proven um, clearly is whether or not weight loss will even decrease risk for these diseases or help to reverse or mitigate problems from these diseases, right? Um, The relationship between weight and chronic disease isn't totally clear. And I'm going to go ahead and drop some Um, links to research so that you don't have to just take my word for this. You can go read up on it yourself. Um, Anyway, another thing to note here is that something that is not talked about nearly often enough is that the relationship between weight and disease risk actually lies on a J-shaped curve, not a traditional linear curve. So 
What does that mean? This means that it's the very lowest BMIs and the highest BMIs that are most at risk for health problems. So we rarely, if ever, talk about the health risks that come from being underweight, right? Um, In fact, anyone who is, you know, aspiring to lose weight or even when they become, you know, very, very thin, they're praised for their health choices when in reality, um, they might be more at risk than some of those middle BMIs. The point here is that weight and health are not equal. And while we do have some correlations, the relationships are not totally clear and equating weight and weight loss diets with healthy eating is a really, really big mistake that is being made by essentially everyone, right? Um, And this is something that we really need to get over if we want to figure out what true nutritious eating looks like, right? So whether or not you personally want to lose weight is a personal decision, But like I said, equating a weight loss diet with a healthy diet is not accurate. And this is likely a huge cause of your confusion and the confusion of the world at large when it comes to nutrition. So let's just talk about something that happens. This has happened to me. I know that this has happened to probably many of you. Maybe you visit your doctor and you tell your doctor that you'd like to lose weight or your doctor suggests that you need to lose weight because of your BMI or other health concerns. And then they proceed to educate you about general nutrition, right? So they'll tell you the things that you've heard time and time again. They'll say, eat whole grains, eat fruits and vegetables, eat enough lean protein, eat healthy fats. And then you you take that advice home. Maybe you try it or maybe you don't even bother because you already eat that way or because you've become convinced that healthy eating defined in this way, quote, doesn't work. And this is this is a struggle. This is an error in our thinking, right? Because just because it does not work for weight loss does not mean that it's not nutritious or it doesn't work for nutrition, right? If you eat this way, if you start to eat more fruits and vegetables, eat enough lean protein, eat your healthy fats, and you don't lose weight, all that means is that your body is not in a state of negative energy balance. Your diet might be perfectly healthy, and you're simply maintaining your weight because you are eating the number of calories that your body needs and not less than that. And so your body is doing what it's designed to do and maintaining its weight instead of losing. Simple as that, right? Okay, so now that we understand that weight loss is not what means a diet is nutrition, I honestly feel like that alone should have cleared up a lot of your confusion about nutrition, but there's still a little bit more that we need to unpack. So let's talk about the media. Media can really exaggerate or sensationalize evidence about nutrition. So another reason that nutrition information is so confusing is the sheer quantity of information available online and elsewhere from your friend, your neighbor's friend, your mom, and you trying to figure out what all this means um, and not really knowing whether or not these sources that we are listening to are legit, right? 
many influencers will cite studies and they might even have some credentials behind their name, um, yet all of the information out there tends to contradict itself. So what gives? What's the right answer, right? So it probably comes as no surprise to you that if you really wanted to, you could find evidence to support any way that you wanted to eat or any opinion that you have about what healthy eating looks like. So if you feel like veganism is the way, you can definitely find studies that support veganism. If you want to go paleo, you can find studies to support that. So are all of these diets healthy? Can you eat however you want? Um, Are they all good choices? Again, there's a lot of nuance here, and one of the biggest problems like I said, that I see in the world of nutrition online is sensationalism. So what this means is that a new study will come out and suddenly everyone rushes to overturn any other evidence from the past because of this one study. Um, Or the media will exaggerate an effect of a study or the media will oversimplify what we can do with that information or the results of a study, right? So an example of a headline that's sensational is this, and this is an actual headline that I found, and it said, 15 superfoods that can save you from cancer. Okay, this is where I start to get a little angry, right? (laughs) So there may be some evidence that there are foods out there that can help prevent cancer, but can eating these foods actually guarantee to save you from cancer? If you just got diagnosed with stage four cancer, can you fill up your diet with these 15 foods and suddenly cure it? Let me tell you that if we could, there would be a whole lot less cancer out there, right? Obviously, this is not entirely true. This kind of media is irresponsible, but so prevalent today. So how do you, as you're searching for nutrition information, how do you know what information is tried and true and what information is sensationalized? The truth is that we are learning more about nutrition every day and new studies will be able to teach us new things, but how do we know if the information in studies is trustworthy? There are a few ways to do this, um, but I like to think about nutrition and nutrition information and kind of compare it to the stock market, all right? So if you were to choose to purchase an individual stock in the stock market and put all of your money into it, That's pretty risky, right? You might make a killing, but there's an equal or greater chance that you're going to lose all of your money, right? It's the same way with nutrition. So if you choose to base your diet off of one or two studies that support something you believe in or something that you want to believe in, then the risk of that choice ultimately causing you harm or being an unhealthy choice is much higher than say, investing in a mutual fund. So a mutual fund, when it comes to nutrition, would be a topic that has a lot of evidence, a lot of different studies, and time behind it um, to really support its truthfulness. So some nutrition information that has a lot of evidence to support it are ideas like Eating a diet high in fruits and vegetables decreases risk for chronic disease, or diets lower in sugar maintain our blood sugars better, or fiber aids digestion. All of these things that you've heard your whole life about nutrition that honestly probably seem a little boring, 
this is, this is the tried and true of nutrition. Mutual funds, when you're investing, are kind of boring, but they're safe. And when it comes to your nutrition, we want safe, right? Um, there's nutrition information out there that has a lot more limited data and limited studies behind it or emerging science, right? Such as the benefits of a paleo or ketogenic diet or um, whether or not organic foods are a better choice than conventional foods or the effects of GMOs or pesticides on our health. Does this mean that organic foods are bad? No. Does it mean that there's no possibility that there are some negative effects of GMOs or pesticides on our foods? No, there very well might be, but the evidence in these categories is still emerging. So to put all of your money into one of these studies that you may find is a little bit riskier. They're riskier stocks. There is nothing wrong with a little experimentation for you and what works for you in a safe way. So if you feel like you want to experiment with organic vegetables, this is not really a big risk because as we do know, a diet high in fruits and vegetables and whether or not those vegetables are organic or not is not really the point here. So if you want to experiment with organic vegetables, that is just fine and is probably not a very risky choice. But it's riskier to experiment with something that directly contradicts the methods that we know are safe and effective. So, for example, cutting out entire food groups based on evidence that is newer or riskier is probably not a great choice, right? Another thing to note when you're looking at nutrition information is to try to find the actual studies that a news article is based on or even a social media post. And if you can't find um, studies, then this is a red flag that maybe this is not information that you should be giving a whole lot of stock to, right? Um, and when you do find these actual studies, you want to look for randomized controlled clinical trials. These are the gold standard for scientific evidence. So as you start to dig into studies, you might find that some are animal studies or, um, studies based on surveys. And these studies are not bad. They have their place, but they're not nearly as conclusive as clinical trials. Right? So again, when you find these kinds of studies, it can be a little bit of food for thought, something to think about. But until you can gather a whole bunch of evidence to support it, it's probably best to take it with a grain of salt. Okay, so now you know that weight loss is not equal to nutrition, and you've also learned a little bit about how you can sift through all the noise in um, trials and evidence about nutrition. Are you still feeling confused? Um, there's still more issues, right? Another issue in trying to understand nutrition is that there are so many people out there who preach about nutrition based only on personal experience or the personal experience of their clients. So this would be a case when you might look for a study or try to see if they've linked to a study and they haven't because they're basing their information that they're sharing with you on personal experience and not on actual scientific evidence. And personal experience is important and it's not necessarily a bad thing. 
In fact, a lot of the content that I share on this podcast is based on personal experience. But the thing to look for here is whether or not these people are making scientific claims. If they're saying, you know, this is the way to eat because X, Y, Z, or it's having this effect in your body, but they're not citing any kind of source, then that's a red flag. If somebody says, hey, I went vegan and I feel really good, this is fine. This is an appropriate way to have personal experience. You can take from that that somebody had a good experience and that they feel good eating a vegan diet. Does that make sense? So be really wary of people who make bold scientific claims based on personal experience and not based on actual scientific data. Let's talk about another reason why nutrition information on the internet is so confusing. And this one is one of my favorites, and it's that everybody is different. So it's easiest to explain this by looking at some of the extreme needs when it comes to diet and nutrition. So if a patient is in kidney failure, for example, or on dialysis, eating a banana could be highly detrimental to their health. Because of the potassium in the banana, this could cause them really big health struggles. Generally speaking, I would never tell somebody not to eat a banana, right? But in this highly specific case, bananas are no good. (laughs) Another case would be while as a dietitian, I would generally recommend that most individuals should eat artificial sugars in moderation. But for an individual with diabetes, I might recommend that they use them more frequently. And why is that? That's because these individuals with diabetes have different needs. So For the general population, I would probably recommend that they eat, for the general population, I would probably recommend that they eat a more natural sweetener, again, still in moderation, um, as opposed to artificial sweeteners. But for an individual with diabetes who needs to control their blood sugar, these artificial sweeteners can actually be a really good tool for their diet, right? For a patient who has cancer as a dietitian, I would recommend that they eat anything and everything that they can in order to keep their bodies from breaking down muscle that comes from the increased metabolic needs and demands that cancer places on the body. Um, Where normally I would not recommend to the general public eating as much of whatever they could, right? So when you run across an article that says your hormones are the reason that you can't lose weight and you take that as gospel, you have no way of knowing if this article is true for you or if it's just true for someone, right? They don't know your baseline. They don't know your habits. So while, yes, there might be some evidence about hormones affecting our weight, there's really no way to know if that's your problem, right? And again, we're back into the weight question again because the culture of our country and I think the world in general can't seem to separate weight from health. So again, we're kind of back in that place again. There's not really a magic solution for the problem that nutrition can't be one size fits all. Um, What would obviously be best is if influencers stopped sensationalizing and promising solutions to complex problems. But 
that's probably not going to happen. So what's important here is for you to be an informed consumer, even if it's a free content on Instagram, an informed consumer, and that you're aware of the fact that just because a specific solution worked for someone else, it might not work for you. Um, And that doesn't mean that um, your nutrition is not good. It just means that nutrition might need to be shifted around um, and evaluated based on different information that works for you. And again, take the things you read with a grain of salt. A really important thing that we've kind of started to touch on but have not really dove into yet is that nutrition information or the best nutrition information for you depends on your goals. So when it comes to nutrition, is your goal weight loss? Because then we might have to take a little bit different approach because like we said, a general healthy diet is probably not going to produce weight loss. Is your goal improved nutrition labs if you have health problems? So lower cholesterol, lower blood sugar, lower blood pressure, things like that. Great. There's specific things that we can do to target those specific labs based on your nutrition. Is your goal to just feel better, to not feel sluggish, to feel like you have eaten enough to get you to the next meal, to not want to binge at the end of the day? There's solutions for that. Is your goal to fuel your workouts and grow your muscles? Okay, there's a nutrition approach for that. So each of your goals, nutritionally, will have a slightly different approach for the utmost efficacy. And the best way I can explain this idea is this way. Um, My husband is a dentist, and I remember visiting him for the first time. It was actually while he was in dental school, Um, And I went to be his very first patient. I was so excited. And his professor came and did a little um, evaluation with me. And he asked me if I snacked regularly, to which I responded, yes. As a dietitian, I am always recommending that individuals snack regularly to regulate their blood sugar and avoid binging in the evenings. So imagine my surprise when I got chastised um, and and I was told not to snack as much. So I definitely had to have a little talk with my husband that night. And I asked him, I said, are you really telling your patients this terrible advice to not snack regularly? He responded that snacking frequently leads to cavities. So what can I take from this? If my goal is to avoid cavities, I should snack less frequently. If my goal is to maintain my blood sugar levels and avoid late night binges, I should snack more. So who's right? Both of us are right, right? There are just different goals and we have to constantly be leveraging these different goals to find the pathway that works best for us. As you find your path to nutrition, you need to think about what your goals are and then look for sources to support your goals that are well-researched, like we talked about, and start making slow, actionable changes that support your goals not what the world says is healthy or nutritious, right? One last thing to talk about is that no one food is healthy or unhealthy. We've all heard it, whether it's from overly opinionated friends and family or even from our own inner critic voices. Things like, are you really going to eat that pasta? It has so many carbs. 
Or maybe we can even talk about the more positively framed things. Do you remember when we put kale in everything? The truth about nutrition, though, is that nutrition is all about how the foods we eat work together and make up a diet. A diet of straight kale would be equally unhealthy to a diet of straight pasta. This is why balanced meal planning is the best way to create a simple, balanced diet that meets your needs. If you want to try out my formula that I mentioned for balanced meal planning, check out this past episode of the podcast in the show notes. Just to make things clear, meal planning in the way that I discuss in this episode will allow you to create a menu that balances your nutrition needs with your mental and emotional needs as a mother, as well as the needs of your family. This meal planning strategy is not for anyone with specific health or dietary needs, and it will not necessarily lead to weight loss. But this formula will help you make sure that you get everything you need for a generally healthy diet, and it will help you feel energized throughout the day. Okay, so we covered a lot in this episode, but between figuring out what nutritious diets look like, what they don't, how to sift through all the information online, how to find nutrition information that works for you, and how to make specific nutrition goals, and then find information that supports those goals, Hopefully, you feel either a little bit more peace that maybe you're doing okay based on what your goals are, or that you now know and understand how you can sift through all of the complex nutrition information that's out there and find only the golden nuggets that are important for you. What do you think? Did I catch everything? I'm hoping you feel less confused and more empowered about nutrition now. And I hope that that knowledge helps you feel confident in your meal planning and meal prep and helps you get over that feeling of dread when you try to decide what to make for dinner or what to feed your family, right? Because you absolutely can know for you what a nutritious diet is. And honestly, the basic Nutrition advice that we've always heard, eating whole grains, eating fruits and vegetables, eating lean proteins, and getting healthy fats truly is enough for most people to eat a very balanced, nutritious diet. All right, my friends, thanks so much for tuning in. If you liked this episode, share it. Share it if you've got those, you know, well-meaning friends and family that are constantly telling you what to do or what to eat. And... Let them know how they, too, can sift through all the nutrition information online and eat for their best self. If you like the Planned, Prepped, and Productive podcast, please leave me a review. Reviews help me reach more people and share this wonderful message about finding peace through meal planning and meal prep with all of the moms out there that need it. So, please take the time to leave me a short review. Next week, we're going to be talking about planning. Specifically, we're going to be talking about paper planners versus electronic planners. And we'll talk about what all planners need 
and how to get started on the habit of planning. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for tuning in, my friends. Happy planning.